Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolfing, Gavin Shaw here, and Emmanuel quickly did not sign an extension yesterday with the Knicks. So we're going to talk about what that means for the team. And then in our second segment and beyond, we are joined by a very special guest. Our old pal, Mark Berman, formerly of the New York Post, is going to join us to talk through the quickly non-extension, uh, what that means for quickly and the Knicks, and also some, some thoughts on another rumor that came out about one Joel Embiid and some predictions for the season where Mark is actually not super high on, on where the Knicks might be going this year. So that's all coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube, we appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And if you want to take things one step further and talk to us more often, you can join us on Subtext. There's a link in the episode description. You can talk with us. We'll update you on the, the latest comings and goings for the Knicks and certainly give takes after every game so that you can get it direct from us before you even hear us in your podcast feed the next morning. Uh, but I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland. He's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And Emmanuel Quickly is unfortunately today not your favorite Knicks, favorite extended Nick. Uh, he is he is still under his rookie contract and will remain so for this season and hit restricted free agency next summer. It is now officially official. Uh, Gavin, I found this to be a little surprising. I, I really thought that the Knicks were going to come to a deal. I mean, I, I figured it might go to the 11th hour. Granted, using RJ Barrett as a barometer last year, they certainly didn't let that go to the 11th hour. I think they finalized with RJ in August. It was yeah. basically the second that they shut off Donovan Mitchell talks. They said, okay, we're extending him now, which it makes this sort of two prongs as far as why they didn't get things done with quickly one. Maybe they didn't just, it just is as simple as they didn't agree on money, but two, I don't know that the Knicks are quite willing to pull themselves from potentially discussing star trades yet. And I wonder if part of that is why they didn't, they didn't extend quickly here too, because that would have restricted their ability to potentially trade him uh, throughout the season. But I don't know either way, sort of a curveball here that, that he didn't end up with a, you know, an extension and now we'll sort of be playing for his next deal this whole season. Yeah. I, I think, I think with the benefit of hindsight, we, we maybe had too much faith in, in Leon Rose to be Superman in this situation, because we've seen under his tenure, the Knicks over and over again, get, either like at or below like market value deals for their guys. And like, obviously the Jalen Brunson contract is aging incredibly. Julius Randall knock on every single piece of wood in your house and your neighbor's house. If he plays like he did last year, that contract is aging incredibly well. Um, I mean, just some of the guys that they signed over the course of the off season, their ability to get Josh Hart to wait so they could fit DiVincenzo in like on and on and on. Like the Knicks have seemingly won these negotiations and it, it always like on paper, it seemed like it was going to be very difficult to do that with Emmanuel quickly because he can. Uh, and I, I get into this a little bit with Mark uh, spoiler. We actually recorded that ahead of time. Time is weird um, when, when you're podcasting. Um, but um, some of his peers that signed 
contracts. Like you look at the numbers, Jade McDaniels got 27 and a half million. Devin Vassell got 29.2 million. RJ Barrett, just to your point, off season ago, got 30 million. All guys that at least in the regular season, Emmanuel quickly is better than, but on the New York Knicks, even if he's better than those guys in a vacuum, does he have the same value that those two have to their team? And, and even that RJ has to the Knicks, I would argue certainly at least on the RJ point that he does. And, and it's probably not even all that close. And yet the Knicks don't ever see him as a starter. They're not going to play him next to Jalen Brunson. Obviously Brunson is the guy like no questions asked. They are committed to at the point guard position, presumably for a decade. So it's always going to be tough to justify giving Emmanuel quickly, like exactly what he wanted, except for the fact, Alex, that the cap is just escalating to the point that I personally felt throughout this whole process, it would have been tough to overpay him. Like it would have been hard for Raymond brothers, um, Emmanuel quickly's agent to throw a number out there that I would have said, if I were running the Knicks, all right, that is just too high because I think he's going to improve. I think he's always going to be movable. I, I think given what he's already shown in the NBA, it would be a challenge to get to a contract that you're just at a point where you're like, all right, like this isn't worth it. And maybe the one caveat there is how that number fits into a potential star deal. And to your point, we can be certain that that was on Leon Rose's mind throughout this negotiation. Yeah. And I'm, I'm intrigued if there's more going on behind the scenes than we realize here too. Like quick is always the consummate professional. The Knicks do really good at identifying and drafting those guys that not only are really professional on the court, but seem to always say the right things to the media never seem to cause a stir, you know, even Obi Toppin where the, all this stuff came out towards the end of his tenure about like him potentially having like shouting matches in the locker room with Tibbs and everything. We never heard, heard, a bit of that escape his mouth. Um, and so it kind of makes you wonder, like Ian Begley said, said this on, uh, on his show, the putback yesterday he said, if I'm making a bet today, based on what happened over the off season, just based on stuff that you were hearing leading into today, my bet would be that Emmanuel quickly is elsewhere at the start of next season. And then said, maybe it's a little pessimistic, but that's just his feeling. I feel like, you know, just like when we talk with Berman in a sec, you know, he, he was mentioning things that he's heard as well. Begley generally doesn't say stuff like that unless, at least in my opinion, unless he's heard it uh, or unless he's getting that inclination from someone. So it almost makes you wonder if there's a little more scuttlebutt behind the scenes about quickly wanting to start somewhere and wanting that runway to start somewhere. And maybe that was the hard line that his agent made of, of like, well, if you're not going to start me, at least pay me like a starter, you know, and then the Knicks might've said, well, no, cause you're not a starter. You're a six man, you know? So we're going to pay you like a six man. Look at what the six men around the league get, you know, that's what you're going to get. And maybe that's where the sticking point was. I guess the only thing that we'll be able to see at this point is just see him play out the season, see what improvements he makes. Obviously if he has a big playoffs, like he has to look no further than the guys backing up to see what that can do for you and your career and your perception around the league. Um, you know, Brunson, when the Knicks paid him, some people thought that was an overpay, you know, which is kind of comical to think about at this point. But, you know, it's that's how you earn a big contract. You have a big playoffs. That's that's what everybody wants to see is, you know, can you perform in the playoffs? Can you work on the biggest stage and that sort of thing? And we touch on that with Mark in a second, too. Uh, we actually have a pretty wide ranging discussion with Mark and we talk about a lot of the other particulars of this quickly situation. So I think now would probably be a good time to take our first break and come back in with the one and only Mark Berman. Uh, but first we have to remind you all that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel and 
You can snap into the NFL this season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And when I say and more, maybe on the season opener tomorrow, you could check out a same-game parlay for the Knicks against the Celtics. It's really fun. Uh, I love playing same-game parlays. You could pick multiple different legs in a single game to make sort of a super bet. You know, if you're like, oh, well, Julius Randle over 20 points or over 20 and a half points is not going to pay that much by itself. But Julius Randle over 20 and a half points, Emmanuel quickly over one and a half threes, and Jalen Brunson over five and a half assists will pay quite a large sum of money compared to, to what just one of them by themselves would pay. So, it's definitely fun. Check it out. Uh, and, you know, maybe just make some long-term uh, player props as well. I've, I've won big on uh, Julius Randle for most improved a couple years ago. Should have won on quickly for six man last year. But, you know, those are always fun to keep up with for the whole season. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. And, of course, the NBA season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. All right, and we're joined now by Mark Berman, formerly of the New York Post, now of happy retirement life, but still happy to talk Knicks uh, even at this early hour on a Tuesday morning. Mark, how you doing, man? Uh, how's How was your first uh, retired offseason for you? <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Uh, enjoying Florida life quite a bit. Still writing a bit uh, for the local paper out here, the Palm Beach Post. But, uh, you know, still following the Knicks from afar, you know, talking to some people inside here and there. But, uh, yeah, I, I did miss it as much as I thought. But uh, I uh, definitely uh, have no regrets. Yeah, getting I, pulled out of that, it can't, uh, can't be too bad. But, Gabby, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say I'm happy you found a post instead of a Gazette or a Daily News. has to feel at home a little bit <laughs> for you. Um, <laughs> we... Yeah, we, we were debating on where to start this um, a day ago. And then uh, luckily, or I guess not so luckily, because the deadline was there, um, we got we got the news on Emmanuel quickly, who uh, was not able to reach an extension with the New York Knicks. Uh, Mark, I'll leave it open ended. What was what was your initial impression of, of that happening? And what do you think the implications are down the road for both quickly and the Knicks now? I was not uh, surprised at all. I mean, when I left the beat a year ago, I knew exactly where Raymond Brothers stood on uh, a contract extension, and I knew he was shooting for the moon. Uh, then Emmanuel had a very good season, although his playoffs were disappointing again. The one thing that Knicks fans who love Emmanuel failed to mention, it wasn't just his poor playoffs uh last spring but even against atlanta he didn't perform well it was ironic because that playoff against atlanta obi uh really sh uh showed out uh against the hawks and emmanuel was a dud uh, just looking at the stats last night uh in all his playoff games emmanuel was shooting 33 percent overall and 27 percent from three Obviously, Emmanuel has had some great games in the regular season. I've always felt he was a little streaky. Um, he's 24 years old, but I believe that 
maybe he's not going to improve that much. I think maybe this is what Emmanuel is. He's converted himself to a, a truer point guard, but I still feel he's not a, I still feel he's a selfish player in terms of he doesn't pass the ball. He like loves to shoot the ball. I'm not a great fan of giving Emmanuel a ton of money. I feel he's a sixth man and to give him what Raymond brothers wants, which was, if I recall a year ago, I don't want to give a dollar amount, but I know he was, I should go back to my texts, but I know he was shooting for a lot of money. And at that point I'm like, Oh boy, there's not going to be an extension here unless uh, things change. So um, no surprise. And I think the Knicks, at the trade deadline, we'll see what the status of the team is, but they may need help elsewhere with all their guards, and they may trade him at the trade deadline if they feel that he's going to get a better offer. And if he has a big season, okay, so match an offer. That's why you're a restricted free agent. Everyone forgets about this restricted free agency. The Knicks control the uh, situation, and if – Utah comes up big, the Knicks can match it. Yeah, it is kind of interesting because the Knicks did something similar to this with Mitchell Robinson, though it was different rule set because he was a second round pick. But they did, you know, they had the option to extend Mitch all the way up until the free agency in which he eventually got his new contract because of his status as a second round pick. They didn't have to do it almost a year in advance, but they did wait that out and just to kind of keep their financial options open they they went about it that way that said this one this doesn't really seem like that to your point like to me I look at this and it seems like they just couldn't come to terms on money because I think I saw something that that uh Raymond Brothers also put out like something on social media afterwards that was like to the effect of to the effect of like uh, it was the gladiator clip of like, are you not entertained or whatever? And then saying like, never, never take less than what you're worth or something like that, which could reflect on quickly. I believe he also represents Precious Achua, who also didn't come to terms on an extension. So maybe it just means both of them. Maybe he was asking for the world for both clients and didn't get the world for either. But like, Mark, what was your impression on money wise? Like what? quickly was looking for like did you hear anything in terms of actual dollars and cents figures because i you know we saw what some of his peers were getting paid and it seemed like a lot of the contracts handed out other than the max deals obviously were like in the i don't know they they were wide ranging denny avdia got i think it was three for 55 you saw some players getting average value of around 20 million um i i wonder if maybe he just wanted a little more than that but not quite up to a max deal but it I don't know. Was there anything that you heard on on that front? Yeah, well, the tag on that Instagram, I think, was don't sell yourself short. Uh, I mean, it was definitely Raymond, uh, I know, considers Emmanuel a future all-star, so he wants to have him paid in that type of range. So it's obviously over $20 million a year, but I don't know specifically how high Raymond was willing to go or compromise. Uh, but again, I know that the agent feels that Emmanuel is destined for all-star status, and that's the big issue with the Knicks. They don't see that from Emmanuel, especially in the role he plays with Jalen Brunson as the starting point guard. 
there's no way that Emmanuel could be a starting shooting guard in this league. I feel they did a great thing and converting him into a backup point guard. And I think that's a great role for him on a championship contender. Yeah, he could go to Utah and make, you know, a lot more and, you know, be on an average middling team. But I think the Knicks are trying to win a championship after 51 years and paying Emmanuel that type of money was just not what they wanted to do. Uh, going forward, listen, let's hope Emmanuel has a great year. I mean, just for this season, uh, every season counts. The, Thibodeau is trying to win a championship this year. Okay, they made the second round. Uh, they didn't make any big improvements, but if Emmanuel could step up in the playoffs, maybe they would have made the conference finals. In fact, if he had a very good playoff against Miami, they possibly would have ousted the Heat and gone on to, to face the Celtics. So let's see if Emmanuel, in this particular season, if they don't trade him, can make another leap and also have a much better playoff than his inconsistent showing uh, last spring. We, we, we talked about it a bit in the first segment, but we, we can also, or at least I, I can see quickly in Raymond Brothers' perspective on this, right? Because you just look at guys in his class. Jaden McDaniel's got... 27.2 million. Uh, Devin Vassell got 29.2 million. Um, and Emmanuel quickly, I think you, I think there's a very reasonable argument about who has more upside there. I mean, McDaniels is looking like he's going to maybe be the best wing defender in the league for the foreseeable future. Vassell has much better positional size. Quickly has been the best player out of those three so far. I mean, there are a horde of advanced metrics that paint him as a top 30 guy in the league. For me, that's a little bit rich. But the Knicks have also just been dramatically better when he's on the court. Like, Mark, even in the playoffs that you're referencing last year, where I agree with you, he he obviously didn't play well. He shot terribly. I'm Zach Lowe of ESPN point out times um, for a guy who's a great defender. It felt like teams were targeting him. And yet the Knicks were about 20 plus points better per 100 possessions when he was on the court than when he was off the court. And, and that shows his value just as a as a spacer as a secondary ball handler everything he does off the ball defensively and i'm sure him and and his representation were even looking at rj barrett and saying rj obviously had a better postseason than i did but for 82 games like i i personally don't think there was any doubt quickly was the better player and yet to your point like it, it, you keep coming back to like is he a long-term fit on this team. And that's why, like, I was kind of with you where I didn't really see a scenario where this, where this was resolved because the Knicks, I, 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 I agree. They, even though the numbers with him and Brunson are great, they are never going to start those two together. Thibodeau is never going to be comfortable with that lack of positional size. Again, even if it looks good in the regular season. And it feels like to me that quickly wants more than that. And that he wants to be a starting point guard in this league. And when he was a starter last year, he put up, these incredible numbers. So you're, you're kind of at a standstill. I, I guess I say all this to say, like, how do you think this ultimately ends? Do you, do you think the Knicks, like, let's just say he does have a really good season. Do the Knicks match almost whatever number in restricted free agency? Do they match just to keep him as an asset for um, a star trade down the line? Or do you think the Knicks act early and, and maybe even trade him before this deadline, um, not wanting to get into a situation where they could potentially lose him for nothing? All right, guys, we will be back with Mark to conclude our conversation on Emmanuel quickly and then get into some season predictions why Mark Berman is a little bit more pessimistic than we are about the Knicks finish. And honestly, Alex, 
he opened my eyes a little bit. He he made he made some really really good points. Um, that might might scare all of you a little bit. They certainly they they scared me on this Tuesday morning. But before we get into that, um, I wanna I wanna get you guys a little bit excited and, and give you some good news. And that's because you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. I'm lucky enough to live just 12 blocks away from Madison Square Garden. And what that means for me is I have the benefit of looking about 20 minutes before the Knicks game and, and just trying to find the best price and then rushing on over to enjoy uh, a beautiful New York Knicks victory. And, and, and Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And all in prices show your total up front, so you know you're getting a great deal without any hidden fees. I also love that you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. They're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. With the game time guarantee, you'll get the best price every single time. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less on another app, game time will credit you 110% of the difference, which means there's literally no reason to ever use a ticketing app that is not game time. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time, download the game time app, create an account and use code LOCKDOWNMBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Well, there you made a lot of good points there. One thing you didn't mention, and I was thinking about this yesterday, Emmanuel and Obi Toppin, uh, you know, obviously great friends off the court, but I always thought they had a good chemistry together, and I always thought they made each other better when they were on the court. And now we'll see Emmanuel without Obi. Uh, you know, naturally, Obi didn't play as many minutes as Emmanuel, but they they made a good tandem with both of them, uh, high-speed players. They just had a good chemistry. I, I just like their chemistry especially two years ago, late in the season. I know it was, they were out of the playoff race, but IQ and Obi on the court together, they were making magic together. So uh, how it ends, listen, Leon Rose has not uh, come up big at trade deadlines so far. They've been very conservative, very cautious. Uh, Leon does not want to lose Emmanuel for nothing. And, they may fear that, you know, Utah or Orlando, they're going to come up with a, a monster offer that they're not going to want to match. And at the trade deadline, with all the guards they have, maybe they try to get a, a, a big small forward or a power forward uh, in, in a trade. And I think that's going to be a big narrative uh, as this season unfolds, uh, whether – Emmanuel will survive the trade deadline. I do believe these, some of these contracts are outrageous. As you mentioned, the Jaden uh, contract, I thought was out of control. So I think there's just, it takes one team in the summer to, especially I keep, you know, I mentioned Utah and I know it's been reported Utah can may be interested. Utah needs to overpay their free agents to get players to play in Salt Lake City. It's not a very attractive venue for for NBA players. So I could see Utah really going nuts and trying to get an Emmanuel on their roster. So a trade deadline situation, 
I'm hoping Leon can find something that works uh, and balance the roster more. Again, there's so many guards on the team, uh, and I believe more in Miles McBride than most people. If he just could be a little more consistent for the three-point line, you got a player who's a better defender than Emmanuel, although I will give Emmanuel credit. He has improved his defense, especially last season, which is why Thibodeau likes him a lot more now than he did when he first took over as Knicks head coach. But I am hoping that if Leon really senses he's going to lose Emmanuel for nothing, uh, that he pulls a trigger that makes sense for this season's roster. So that brings us to some quick hitters, Mark, to send you off here. Uh, we figured it would be good to maximize our time with you. So we're going to you know, run through a, a couple quick uh, extra items here and, and get your opinion on some things. So if you were going to pick a breakout Nick for this year, I mean, maybe you just hinted at it if you think it's going to be Deuce McBride potentially, but who do you think would be the breakout Nick this season? Well, the important piece that they need to have a breakout season, and I mentioned this on another podcast, Quentin Grimes, uh, He, fe- I, I always feel he's on the verge of making it happen and becoming that clutch three-point sniper in the final minutes of games. They desperately needed that against Miami, someone who could hit that three. Evan Fournier sitting on the bench, their best three-point shooter, and the Knicks couldn't hit a three-point shot. Uh, Quentin is obviously a great individual defender and a very smart team defender, and he has a nice stroke from the three-point line. For some reason, he hasn't hit enough big shots so far in his career. They need him to take that next step, so Thibodeau will keep him on the court in the final minutes of a close game and be that difference maker in the clutch. Yeah, and, and with the potential quickly trade looming, um, he, he's a guy who could see more and more of those minutes as time goes on. Um, and, and I guess along along that front, you, you mentioned it's a possibility with Emmanuel quickly. So this could be him. This could be someone else. This could be for someone else. Do you see the Knicks making another big in-season trade? And I'll define that as, as maybe a, a Josh Hart level acquisition or greater. Or do you think it's more likely they they ultimately wait for um, this offseason to to really change anything dramatically with this team? Yeah, in terms of a blockbuster that we've all been waiting for, Leon Rose monitoring all these situations around the league, it looks like Giannis won't be in play until his player option is due up in three years. Uh, Again, that Embiid report, very intriguing. Uh, so that's the only thing that could happen, I think, uh, imminently. Uh, I have a feeling that Embiid's reps, which happen to be CAA, are a little disillusioned with the James Harden situation, which is an absolute travesty. The Harden, he, he opts into his contract and... Uh, all of a sudden, you know, he opts into $36 million and now he doesn't want to play. I mean, I know he did it, you know, because he thought that Philly would legitimately try to trade him, but uh, it's a travesty. Anyway, it's it's obviously that Joel is unhappy. He loves Leon Rose. It's a CAA situation. Uh, that report, though, giving up three solid players, if the Knicks are willing to give up Barrett, Randall, and Mitchell Robinson, 
and bringing back Joel, they're going to have to do something else. I don't think there's enough on the roster to be as good as last season. I mean, that's a lot of pressure on Joel Embiid, who also is not the most durable player of all time either. So, but that's the only thing I could think of. I don't think the Towns thing is going to happen. I really don't. I don't think, I think it's a mixed view in the organization on whether Towns makes them a championship contender. The whole point of this waiting and waiting and being patient is to make this blockbuster that will put them in contention to make the NBA finals. And I'm not sure Cat is that guy. Uh, he has not proven it in the playoffs so far in Minnesota. Listen, he's a ter- tremendous talent. I just don't know if he has the mental toughness to handle the New York City attention and focus. And he would be looked at as the savior. And I just am a little leery of it. But I think Embiid can handle it. I just think that package was a little too much. And I think we talked off camera. You guys were also wondering if we misinterpreted the report, if all three of those guys would be in the package, plus picks. Yeah, it's definitely definitely going to be an interesting situation to monitor if it ends up being all three of those guys in a deal, if it's two out of the three. Either way, even if it was only two out of the three, let's say it was Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle, for example, I mean, that's still a lot to be, you know, trying to replace in your lineup from the rebounding and, and defense perspective from Mitch and the scoring perspective from Randall, though I'm sure that Embiid, if healthy, could do all three. But uh, we'll see how things go. You sort of answered what our next question was going to be, which star, if any, would be on the Knicks. But let's just say if, if you were a betting man, you could keep this brief if you want. If it's Joel Embiid versus the field, for what star ends up on the Knicks, what's your confidence level of Joel Embiid versus the field? Yeah, I think at this point, uh, even though Towns is also a a CAA guy, um, I do feel at this point that Embiid is the likeliest candidate because I think that the Sixers are in a mess of a situation and I think Embiid might be the next superstar to demand a Lillard-type trade, and maybe he won't be silly enough to say, and I'll only play for the Knicks, like Lillard said, I'll only play for the Heat, because that backfired royally. Portland did everything possible not to put Dame uh, in Miami uh, and tried not to even negotiate with the Heat. So, listen, if Embiid demands a trade, um the Knicks will be in the mix. That doesn't mean that, you know, they'll win the sweepstakes. But, again, that trade that was with those two first-round picks and those three guys, I feel that's a little too much. But that's what it might take. And then Leon has to build around Embiid a little more and get uh, another power forward. I mean, you don't even have Obi, you know, as a, as a backup power forward. You're losing Randall. You don't even have a power forward. (laughs) If you make that trade, you don't even have a starting power forward. So uh, they'll have to do some other things. Listen, Jericho Sims, he can jump through the roof, and I guess he's improved his jumper a little, but he's got to be more of an offensive player. That was the problem. I remember my final season covering the beat. They had three centers who couldn't shoot the ball beyond five feet. I mean, it was ridiculous. So – 
But yeah, I, I, I think Embiid is the most likeliest candidate to be traded in season. That is a superstar uh, to be traded during the season. All right. All right, Mark, we'll all right. All right. We'll, we'll finish on this. How many wins do you think the Knicks finish with this year? What seed do they get? And how, how do they do in the playoffs when it's all said and done? Yeah, listen, Tom Thibodeau is one of the greatest regular season coaches in NBA history. Uh, he's not backing down from his philosophy of trying to win every single game by playing Julius Randle 39 minutes a night and R.J. Barrett 42 minutes a night. And and I feel he's got to relax with Jalen Brunson after the World Cup. I think he's got to limit him a little more. But it's been my pet peeve with Tom ever since I started covering him on a daily basis as a head coach that once in a while he's got to let up. You know, take take Julius out of the game with five minutes left up 14. You, you, you could risk it. Uh, but anyway, so my point is that he goes after every single game like it's a playoff game, and that's why I feel they could still squeak out 47 wins, which is probably more than their talent uh, would dictate. Uh, but, but I still feel I, I feel there's teams in the East that have gotten better, including Indiana. I feel Cleveland's still going to be strong. The Sixers are the mystery uh, team. But I think the East got better. I don't think the Knicks got better. I think the Knicks could actually regress. I, I wonder if – I know Fred Katz keeps writing about people in the organization think Jalen has another level to go to. I personally don't. I think we got the best of Jalen last season, and he's at his peak and at his prime. Uh, I know Mark Cuban thought that Jalen had hit his peak uh, in that playoff series uh, with Dallas when they advanced uh, to the conference finals. I don't know if Jalen's getting any better than he is. I don't think Julius is getting any better. Uh, I don't. There's not one player on the team from the last two drafts so, you know, it's not like there's these young guys who are going to get better this year. Uh, I don't know if Emmanuel is going to get better this year. I'm just concerned that, you know, maybe RJ will be a little better because of his free throw shooting. Uh, but I see 47 wins. I see a sixth seed. I see maybe a first round KO. I mean, I'm not as high on this squad as the rest of the nation. Uh, I think they really overachieved last season, and I was disappointed in the offseason that they did not upgrade. I don't think Dante for Obi Toppin is an upgrade. All right. Well, that's that's a note to end on, I think. And, you know, it, honestly, fair fair critique. Uh, you know, I could see a world where perhaps they they do not get as far as people think, especially because the rest of the East loaded up pretty well. So, I mean, it's, it's uh, an arms race right now, and maybe – if such thing comes to pass, they they feel the pressure to make that move sooner rather than later for a guy like a Joel Embiid. But Mark, thanks so much for for popping on with us, man. Thanks for sharing your your thoughts on the quickly situation and everything else. Uh, other than the the Palm Beach Post, is there anywhere else uh, that that you want people to keep in touch with your writing or anything like that, or just just no, keep I mean up with you on Twitter? Unfortunately, I still, uh, yeah, tweet way too much about the Knicks. Uh, so I'm going to try to scale back a little. But, yeah, I'm just enjoying uh, other things. I'm doing some teaching on the side and uh, playing a lot of tennis. And, uh, again, when the spirit moves me, I uh, will issue a tweet on Knicks basketball. I wish I was more positive, but 
it's early in the morning, so I'm still not in uh, <laughs> the greatest spirits, but I have my coffee. So, um, but thanks so much for thinking of me and having me on. And uh, listen, I hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping this team makes the next step and, you know, gets to the conference finals at least. It's, it's just been too long, 51 years. It's time. It's, it's time to make a bigger move than a first round or a second round KO. And they've been very patient. And, and my patience is running out a little bit because I feel it's time. I thought this offseason would be a little better. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, guys, you do a great job, Alex and Gavin. And again, thanks for inviting me on. All right. Yeah, thanks so thanks. much, Mark. Yep. And, and then we, we hope for everyone's sake you, you keep tweeting about the Knicks. All right. Uh, that's it for this episode of Locked on Knicks. Thanks to Mark Berman. Um, and thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll join you tonight uh, to recap the first game of, or tomorrow night to recap the first game of the regular season. But until then, uh, we'll talk to you soon on Locked on Knicks.